Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Owl's Nest, giving you a bird's eye view of all the league action happening in the Overwatch League. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Jake Lyon. Jake, how's it going, man? I am doing great. Happy to be here. That's right. We're going to be talking about uh, some of the takeaways from the Washington Homestand Week 5 last week. Of course, talking about the new hero bands that are coming up for the Florida Homestand and some of the effects that the hero pools have sort of been having on the league, or at least know what we've seen so far. And then, of course, we'll be previewing that upcoming Florida Mayhem Homestand and giving you our match of the week. But we're going to go ahead and start here with the Washington homestand. And uh, the first thing that I'd like to talk about, because it seems like they have indeed started to gain some momentum, the Houston Outlaws taking on the Paris Eternal and delivering a convincing 3-0 clean sweep. Jake, surface-level thoughts. What did you think of this match? Uh, I think there's two two stories that, that, for me, two narratives that went through this match. The first narrative is Paris playing a lot of just terrible strategies, like... I don't know what they're doing playing the the Reaper May with Arissa like on on maps even on maps on the first time they played it it was like well this is this might work maybe they're thinking Houston's going to play bunker maybe they're you know whatever you could you could explain it however you want to explain it but then when they get to Havana and they still pull this out one of the most wide open maps in the game one of the least choky most exposed maps in the game you're still going to play this Reaper May comp uh, I just don't understand it, and they get completely bopped. And then their only good fights are switching to dive, but that's where the second narrative of this match comes in, where Houston's beating them even in the dive mirror. So Paris got roundly bopped, but I can't help but feel like they shot themselves in the foot over and over and over again. Like, there's no foot left after what they did to it, <laughs> playing these Arisa comps. So into a full dive team. I mean, not that Arisa comp has no merit, but into a team that is clearly playing full dive like rotate around the map, flank you from all sides, and poke you. That's not what you want to be playing Reaper and Arissa against. So overall, you don't just think that the the outlaws happened to outplay Paris. You think that Paris was definitely making some mistakes that put them in sort of the 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 spot that allowed the Houston Outlaws to take advantage of them. Um, I will say yes, but I will also say that even on the first map, Houston pretty convincingly won in the in in a, what it was almost entirely a mirror match on dive after the first. Like, the first fight on the first point, um, Paris kind of gave that up playing this weird comp that fed Houston a ton of ults and gave them point control on the dive comp. And then they switched to dive immediately and played dive the rest of the cop map, but Houston still won, and Houston still won pretty dominantly. And for me, that's that's Dante being insane on Tracer, and he's been <laughs> clean all season on whatever he's played, but really insane on Tracer. And as well, Muma, I think... Um, Maybe not having the start of the season he wanted on Ryan, but he definitely brought it out on the Winston. I mean, no question, he was playing extremely well on the Winston. So I think what Houston fans are wondering, because obviously their team has been very near a lot of the power rankings for the beginning of this season here, do you think that this win says more about the Houston Outlaws and sort of where they're at, or does this say more about the Paris Eternal? Because we thought that they've been on the rise, but you know, dropping 3-0 and to, to a team that most people would say is at the bottom... It, it, it kind of seems a little weird. Yeah, I mean, I would say for Houston, this is evidence that there's more there's more to be had here for this team. You know, like this isn't that, that win against Toronto is not a fluke. When they're able to play strategies that suit the team, they can beat anyone. So, you know, maybe if Hero Pools continue to be favorable to them and allow them to play this sort of style um, and not banning the key elements of the style, 
um, such as Winston, such as well, even Winston, I'm not so convinced is critical because I think he might be able to do the same with like a Hammond strategy. But um, I do think Winston's superior. But like if a hero like Tracer is to leave the pool or a hero like Sombra is to leave the pool, it will be quite hard to leverage a dive style. Um, Brig as well, I think, could could really be costly to lose because Brig armor is making Tracer such a monster right now. Um, which is kind of a great irony that the original hyper counter to Tracer is now one of the best supports for Tracer. <laughs> but um, due to the armor pack change. But um, overall, I think um, great great signs for Houston. Paris, they made so many strategic blunders in this series. I don't want to say this means that they're not a top team. I just want to say they made strategic blunders. I mean, that's the good and the bad of strategic blunders is that on the one hand, you're, you're kicking yourself because like, oh my God, like we just threw this away. But on the other hand, it's much better to throw it away than to like never have had a chance to touch it in the beginning. You know, like on the dive mirror, it was close. Like the, it's not like Houston is just rolling over Paris. They look so bad. You know, that was true when Paris pulls out these weird Arisicomps. But when Paris is playing dive mirror, it's not so one-sided, not, not even close. So... I don't think this is like Paris is bad, but I do think this means Houston, when they play dive, are one of the best of the best. Well, and obviously Paris managed to turn it around because the next day they had that uh, that big match, you know, what we call the match of the week against the Philadelphia Fusion. And they definitely looked like they were a different team than what went up against the Houston Outlaws the day before. So what was it that really surprised you? Or what are some of the big takeaways from this match against the Philadelphia Fusion? Um, for sure, this is this is... Huge points in favor of Paris, uh, their adaptability, where on the first match, I was, you know, giving them a lot of grief just now for playing these crazy strategies. You have to respect a team that is going to take one night turnaround and just say, all right, throw all those in the trash. They're not working. Let's try something totally different. Uh, And they basically went with, you know, like copying other teams in terms of playing this like dive strategy. But it's one thing to pick the same heroes that other teams play. It's another thing to actually understand how to play those heroes and win the mirror match um, over the Philadelphia Fusion, which was really the story of the match, right? Like, it was close, but Paris wins in the mirror, right? In in the long 3-2, especially on the two Koth maps, just out brawling. Um, I feel like Soon and Carpe both played insanely well. Um, Carpe especially going absolutely crazy. But I feel like that it was it was XZ over Ivy that kind of was the difference maker um, on the on the Hanzo early in the series, and then Soldier seventy six in the final map. Uh, but what an amazing series! You know, huge credit to Philadelphia Fusion as well, striking back down 2-0, bringing it back to reverse sweep territory, and not just like crawling back. I mean, they started slaughtering on map two, map three. Like they looked so good on Blizzard World, on um, Havana, or not Havana, sorry, Hanamura. Uh, did the Philadelphia Fusion. So props to them, down 2-0, and then they're really fighting hard. So, um, you know, to me, they tried some new roster stuff in the, the first round, had EQO come in on the brig. Didn't seem to work so great. I don't know if that's his fault, uh, but it did feel like having Funny Astro in the lineup gave them a lot more um, convincing victories uh, in, the, in the later maps. You know, like, I think EQO is probably a fine, more than a fine brig player, a very, very experienced brig player. But Freddy Astro, I have to imagine, is like a key caller and a key leader for this team. So maybe subbing him out is not wise, even for the specialization of Brig. 
You know, uh, mentioning the Ivy kind of outplaying uh, XZ there on, on no, the in, in some of the XZ matches. Outplaying you th- Ivy is what I said. Oh, I'm sorry, XZ outplaying Ivy. Um, do you think that having the, that the hero pools might have influenced a little bit in Paris's favor? Do you think that had a character like McCree still been in there, that that could have been the extra push that the Philadelphia Fusion needed to have sort of brought it back the other way? Well, it's scary, but to be honest, I think exactly the opposite. Actually, I think. If oh, really? XZ has the McCree, I think XZ would go even harder because we knew XZ had a monstrous McCree. We knew he had a crazy mm-hmm. Hanzo and a Sharp Widow. We didn't know how good his Soldier 76 was until now. Um, you know, and, and not every player has all those tools in, in their toolkit. So you got to give XZ the, the respect right now as like pretty clearly the most dominant rookie DPS that we've seen so far this, this season. Um, at least in the DPS role, I think there's other players making big names for themselves on other roles. But XZ for me is like undoubtedly the the best rookie right now. Um, you know, especially now that he's playing the Soldier 76 and still looking so good. I mean, I just haven't seen a hero that I don't think he's playing well on um, so far. That just hasn't. I haven't felt that way at once. So uh, XZ just looking completely insane. It doesn't seem like Hero Pulse can slow him down. Well, so uh, one final thought that I'd like to leave here before we move on to the uh, to the next segment here is, you know, last uh, last week we talked about this idea that depending on Paris's performance this week, that people would really probably have to start looking at them as maybe having the potential to be up in, you know, the top sort of upper echelon. After the performance we've seen, despite getting uh, clean swept by the Houston Outlaws, you know, the performance against the, the excuse me the Philadelphia Fusion, where do you think they deserve to be placed sort of in the overall power rankings? Um, I mean, if anything, just because of the overall results of the week, um, I would say I keep them kind of where they are, maybe just one step below that top echelon. You know, if every single week they take, like, if they, if there's, their, their strategy was so off in the first match that, like, I mean, I don't, I have actually faith in their coaching staff. I actually think they have quite smart uh, people on the coaching staff. Um, so I think this is more of a momentary hiccup for them. Uh, but they do need to prove that in the future they can make better decisions on match one, right? Because if you have to lose every first match of the, of the week, a lot of weeks you only play in one match. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you know, you might play early so you don't get to see much of the meta before. You can't see what other teams are, 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 are liking except in scrims um, before actually playing your match. So, you know, you do need to be – there is an element of just like you do need to be right the first time, you know, like – you need to know what's the right comp, and you need to play it right in the first match. Or you need to adapt in the first match. So that's the point against them, that like they should have seen that that Arisa comp is not working against Dive, and they should have stopped playing it, especially not playing it on Havana. Like You had so much evidence that it wasn't working against Dive, and then you play it on what seems to be the worst map of all for it, which is Havana, and you get slaughtered. So to me, that was mind-boggling like i get i get you play the strat you practice it you make it you'd go on like oasis you whatever like you have this idea you know like i don't disagree with that actually um it worked probably worked for the mid so you know keep it running and maybe you didn't play against a team like houston but you get a lot of evidence that it's not working and then you play it on the worst map that to me is like bad like the players should be able to adapt in the series especially after halftime and just be like all right let's just dive mirror and and we can outplay these guys you know that's how i wish they were thinking but they kept confidence in the strategy and it totally failed so point against them in adaptability but you know point for them in adaptability they overnight they realized <laughs> you know they didn't figure it out at halftime but they did figure it out overnight and they completely were looking like a different team against the philadelphia fusion so yeah uh-huh. they, they, they upset philly and you know killed the top team's win streak although not 
as convincingly as we thought it would be, right? You know, it was a slog to the finish, and, and Philly Fusion made them work for every penny there. So, you know, I would say about same same place I had them last week, like still on the cusp of being a really tier one dominant team. But in order to be that tier one dominant team, you need to you need to be more consistent, right? Like you can't you can't be making big mistakes like they made against Houston. So I, I still think they're very much on the cusp of greatness. All right. Well, guys, we'd love to know what you think. Please share your opinions with us either in the comments just below on YouTube or if you happen to be listening to the podcast version, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Checkpoint XP. And, of course, you can find Jake at Jake OW. We'll be right back with more. Hey, what's up? It's James. And Robbie. Hey, and it's Weird Beard. And we're bringing you a brand new radio show called Checkpoint XP. You don't have to be an expert, even though I am. And we're here to give you everything you need to know about the world of video games. Interviews from the biggest professionals and your everyday gamers. We've got you covered at Checkpoint XP. Whether you're a professional player or somebody who hasn't played in a while, we have something for everybody. Hang out with us at Checkpoint XP every single week on your radio. Find out where we're playing in your hometown at our website, CheckpointXP.com. So if you're looking to have some fun and talk about video games, we got the rundowns for things that matter to you. Checkpoint XP. Your home for esports and gaming. Got it that time. Yes. (laughs) Nailed it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in. And if you haven't already, make sure that you have hit that subscribe button uh, there on YouTube. And uh, if you need to get us on the go, we do have a podcast version that you can find on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you find your podcast. And uh, while you're at it, head on over to twitch.tv slash Jake underscore OW. And make sure that you're following him there as well. He has all types of great content coming out throughout the week over on his Twitch channel. So what I'd like to talk about now is the effect that we saw with Hero Pools. You know... What did we see that we kind of expected? A lot of dive. Was there any heroes that popped up that we didn't really expect to see? We did see a little bit of pharmacy, which, uh, you know, I was happy to see. Two varying degrees of success. Uh, we even saw, I believe, an Ash get pulled out there at once after I told someone, I believe it was on Twitter, that there's probably no way that we'll see an Ash. There's much better choices. Uh, but overall, Jake, what did you think of the first week of Hero Pools and the bands that we had? Um, overall, I think this first week is just great evidence for the overall concept of Hero Pools. Uh, and that's that's mostly just because, you know, we saw, like, McCree and Widow get banned. Everyone's like, you know, crowd grown. Like, <laughs> like I don't think that's what anybody wanted. But what have we done? Hero Pools, right? <laughs> like, two of the most exciting heroes to watch in all of Overwatch, when you think of them in a vacuum, are banned. As well, Reinhardt, a main tank favorite. Um, although I think the Ryan ban was really a great, well-targeted ban because Ryan is so, so dominant. It was nice to see, well, we can take Ryan out of the pool, what services to the top. And, and we really got a different look at the meta. So that was super fun. Um, but my biggest takeaway is those bans look so bad. Everyone was like, I don't know about this. But still, we had such an amazing week of matches. And I think it was so fun to see Soldier 76 being back and people playing Zen 
people playing Tracer. Like, it was a totally fresh look on the game. You know, I just, I was super, super enjoying it. And I think it's just evidence that no matter what sort of hero rotation we get, we're going to see, it's going to be fun to see what the teams do with it. You know, like everybody has the same tools. The question is how you use them. And now we get to constantly tweak that toolkit and constantly put a new challenge to players. And I know this is like a big challenge for players and coaches and it's a lot of pressure on them. But at the same time, everyone has to deal with that same pressure. So it's still, um, from a competitive perspective, it's changing what's important, but it's not, it's not really giving anyone an advantage or a disadvantage um, because... You know, everyone has the same constraints of like, we have we have limited time to figure this out. What's the best we can do with a short amount of time? Incorporate our player strengths, incorporate our roster's competency, but, you know, try to figure out what's correct. Um, and, and that middle ground, I think, is going to be fun to see every single week. Well, uh, talking about the Hero Bands in, let's go ahead and dive into what we can expect this week. Uh, Winston was the tank that's taken out of rotation, as well as Soldier 76. It was, you know, nice to have you back while we could, uh, Commander Morrison. Sombra as well, and uh, one of the mainstays uh, recently for a lot of these compositions, Lucio has also been put on the back burner. Jake, what do you think of these picks here, and how do you think it's going to influence sort of the upcoming meta? Um, well, it's actually quite interesting because the Lucio ban should... I mean, the, the problem is the, like, the Lucio ban should heavily enable dive in theory because normally death ball comps playing against dive are always, always, always going to run a Lucio because the speed boost lets you catch up to the fast divers. When they, when they run away, you can just like catch up to them because they don't have a Lucio. Um, so like their Ana or whatever might rotate away from you, but if you just keep chasing with speed boost, you will catch up eventually and kill her, um, in theory. So now cutting speed boost means that's no longer true. Um, but at the same time you cut Winston and you cut Sombra and Soldier 76, but mostly Sombra, which are two of the most important tools for dive to punish a death ball squad. Um, the EMP is of course, there's no parallel for that. Um, in terms of like game impact for dive, like it's just so powerful, you know. So, you know, Sombra is basically farm EMP then win. Um, that's the playstyle against a death ball squad. Um, you're trying to get some impact hacks, but like the reason you're hacking people is mostly just to farm EMP even faster. You hack the Diva so she can't stop you from farming. Um, you hack the Ryan so we can't he can't hold a shield against you. Um, but it's so I, I I just I don't know where the meta is going to go to be honest. Um, after this week. Do you think that we might see a swing back towards what we were seeing for the first part of it? I mean, the only the only one who's been uh, taken out of sort of the, you know, the Ryan Diva, uh, uh, McCree, May uh, uh, comp is the Lucio. Is there something that can be subbed in and see sort of a switch back towards uh, towards that comp? Uh, you could just replace Lucio with Brig. Um, but I feel like maybe a hero like Hanzo might actually be more dominant than McCree just because of like the raw damage and it takes so long to cross these sidelines or maybe McCree is still really good well I don't know speeding high noon is really important to make the high noon effective um I don't know I, I could see it go back to basically exactly what it was like before hero pools but with a brig instead of or, or maybe a bat but I think a brig is probably more likely um the AoE healing is so good um keeping your diva supported from long range as well um, letting your McCree flank with armor and whatnot and, and shielding for stuff like shielding high noon and um, yeah there's just so much impact plays a brig can make 
uh, with those heroes, but I hope not. You know, I hope it's like a little more interesting than that because I think cutting Lucio does open you up to play some very weird stuff, like playing full dive with like two snipers or playing. Um, well, I don't know about pharmacy, but um, pharmacy is actually really, really good against compositions with no Lucio because you have like you just have to walk in and it just takes so long and you get spammed so hard because you can't you can't move fast. And typically against Far Mercy, you don't focus the far out because she's too mobile. She's gonna like go hide and play the geometry of the map. But I think on those maps that Farah has always seen play on, then no Lucio really makes it hard to deal with Farah because you you just eat so many rockets trying to walk into the point, um, and it's just so much easier for Farah to land those rockets against a team without speed boost. Like you can't juke, you can't you can't get funny. You know, and, and your your resources like Matrix and Ryan Shield really start to run out because your rotations take so much longer without speed. Um, so I think it's possible that we might see some sort of like Hammond nonsense coming out um, and people trying to dive and punish those those teams. But by the same token, if you're playing on a Brig um, with like a McCree and a May, it's quite quite hard to imagine like divers surviving much against that comp. I mean, that's a really deadly backline for divers, and then the Ryan Diva buys you so much time in the front line. Um, but without Lucio, the amount of time that you need to buy is greater. Um, but I think maybe I, maybe No Somber just kills dive. Honestly, I think that might that might be the ultimate story of the week. Like No Somber means like you just can't play dive against death ball, so maybe you just hard death ball um, or play like Arissa well, uh, or something. But Arissa kind of sucks. So. This is a very tough week to call because you ban Lucio, <laughs> who is arguably the most important hero for death ball strategies, but you also ban uh -huh. two of the best heroes in dive. So who knows? Maybe this is time for a new comp to come out. Maybe like comps like Arissa, Arissa Diva come back, and that spam is valuable. I don't know. Ryan is so dominant right now. I have a hard time imagining you don't play Ryan. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And as always, we value your predictions. So let us know what those are. Coming up, though, we're going to go ahead and preview the upcoming Florida homestand. Let you know what you have to look forward to. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Callie with Checkpoint XP, and these are your CSL Power Rankings for the week of March 12th. Starting off in Dota 2, the University of Waterloo has achieved a definitive first place position in the Power Rankings. Their most recent match was a 2-0 victory over Stony Brook University, a two-time LAN competitor and favorite to return to LAN. This is the second time Stony Brook University has been in the lower bracket of the playoffs. Last year, they earned a spot on land by fighting all the way through the lower bracket. The University of Illinois at Chicago is the only land competitor from last year that is still in the upper bracket. Current champions, the Rochester Institute of Technology, has been eliminated, guaranteeing the first new grand champion in two years. Now let's check out those power rankings. Sammy's looking for it. He's got all the mines. They're clear to go. Great stomp. Yeah, here it is. Sammy goes right in. Gets a duel. Yules comes out to try and save the techies. It doesn't matter. Trolls already dropped. Techies falls as well. We're going to have Dark Raider go right in, get stunned up, get taken out. Shifting over to League of Legends, no changes because half the upper and half the lower bracket are unreported at this time, likely due to rescheduling. 
Nevertheless, let's check out those power rankings. This could be a huge collapse if they're not careful. Autumn Mobster's left all alone. Clone NG's not there to try to peel, not there to try to do anything. We like Fortnite now, unstoppable, trying to save Crazy Legs, trying to come through. The executes are there, but it's all going to be yet again coming out onto We Like Fortnite. This man is massive for his second triple kill of the- Shifting on over to Counter-Strike, some matches remain unreported as of this ranking. Only matches after the 1st of March are reported on the power ranking. Some teams had two or three matches, while some only had one. University of Pittsburgh is replaced by University of Central Florida after falling to them 0-2. Kansas State University drops out of the ranking after losing 1-2 to Ashland University. They are replaced by University of Texas at Austin. Virginia Commonwealth University and Michigan State University may have unreported rescheduled matches to go. For now, though, let's check out those power rankings. Boost over here from Hyena. Molotov goes in. We'll catch them both out. Bernie swaying through. He's got the tag here. He's turning the sound tick into AW. Finding one, you go with a trade back to Manny, but he aggresses with the deal. This is so goddamn daring. He gets three. How is that possible? TW backs away now. Those are your CSL power rankings. If you want to stay up to date on all the latest in collegiate esports, make sure you check out the CSL and head on over to our website at checkpointxp.com. Thanks for joining us, guys, and sticking with us this far. We're going to go ahead and talk about what you can expect from the games coming up this weekend, starting with our Match of the Week. Match of the Week this time is going to be the first one up on Saturday, and that's going to be the New York Excelsior versus the Atlanta Reign. Jake, what exactly is it that you're expecting from this match? Uh, I think what makes this match so exciting to me is that New York's a team that is always known for standard play style, but I think that sells them short, just to say it that way. They're a team that plays the dominant strategy incredibly well, with, with, with incredible precision, every single player looking sharp on their role. So, you know, yeah, they might play the same strategy you play, but they're just going to do it better. And I think that's their mindset. Um, and I think it really works out well for them because they have insane players, great coordination. There's nothing you can fault this team on. Um, and nothing you can call them weak at, I, I say. Um, but by the same token, I think they are at their worst when they match up against a team that is going to be more chaotic and is going to going to play to their strengths, going to run things a little bit off the wall, um, like Atlanta. You know, I think Atlanta is exactly that sort of squad that is is not afraid to innovate, try new things, try to counterpick what the other team wants to play. Um, so I think. This is actually going to be, especially with Hero Pools, potentially making it much harder for New York. I mean, this is the first match, right? So making it much harder for them to predict exactly what the meta will be. Um, and against Atlanta, that makes it even more confusing. This team that ran double shield, but nobody else was. And heroes like Bap and Lucio. So I think it's quite it's quite hard to predict which way this match will go. I mean, New York, I'm definitely, I would definitely call them the expected winners. I mean, Atlanta is certainly the underdog with, with New York's recent showing. I mean, they just look untouchable. But at the same time, if anyone could accept, upset New York, it might be a team like Atlanta. So that's what, for me, makes it so interesting. I expect to see Atlanta do some wacky stuff, do some different stuff. Um, and the question is, can New York adapt and, and keep their systematized gameplay uh, effective in that environment? Now, we actually uh, went back and forth a little bit on what what which of these matches would be our match of the week. Because I feel like we have a few other really good ones. Uh, mm-hmm. Another uh, Atlanta match to, to keep an eye on is the London versus Atlanta one as well. You know, London's been a very scrappy team. Uh, we haven't you know, known exactly what to expect from them being the rookie squad, but they've shown up in a lot of their games. You know, between those two, London and Atlanta, who do you give the edge to, especially with this sort of 
not really sure what to expect out of the meta weekend. Um, that's a match where I, I think that actually will play to Atlanta's strengths. Um, I think that I actually think of the match is quite similar because I think of London as a bit of a similar team to New York, um, except just less experienced, right? Like they they also want to play the dominant strategies. They're not necessarily going to go for some totally wacky stuff. Um, I would expect them to play like when they played New York. Uh, originally, it was very standard on standard. Both teams just trying to exert their will on the match. Um, so I do think that, I think that's a quite a similar matchup for Atlanta. So in that sense, it's a good good weekend for them. Like the teams they're playing, I think are not the most different teams. It's not like you're playing um, like Houston and New York, where you're just going to see totally different stuff. Um, so London, and New York, I think probably will be quite similar. But obviously that. I think the London squad is a lot less experienced and less dominant than New York, so that's just like an easier time for Atlanta to take the win. But London has the opportunity to watch the other match. Um, I guess both teams have to expose their first match before the second day. So that could be interesting too. We see both teams play day one. Day two, they match up against each other, both with the benefit of having seen what the other one wants to play. Um, so the question for me is, you know, like that, that always adds this metagame element of like, will you counterstrat them on mid fights? Will you... Uh, go for more will you change it up just for the sake of changing it up but that also hurts you because you maybe haven't practiced your change up as well um that so all those questions come into play when you've both seen each other um match up in the previous day so i think that that's what makes that match pretty fun for me to watch all right, cool. So the last thing that I'd like to do, you know, before we uh, uh, end the uh, episode for today, is I want to go down these matchups here and just give some quick predictions from us who we think is going to take each of the matches. And uh, Jake, I'm going to go ahead and let you start for day one. All right, uh, I'll predict New York to win over Atlanta. I'll predict Philly to win over London, and I will predict Paris to win over Florida. I'm going to have to echo those uh, sentiments as well. I think that those are all pretty safe bets. The one thing that I'm going to change up just a little here is I'm actually going to say London over Philly. Uh, I'm hoping that maybe, you know, Philly's feeling a little shaken after that uh, that close call with Paris and that London's able to capitalize on it. Uh, going into day two, I'll go ahead and start here. Uh, both Washington and Toronto haven't been having the best go of it, but I think that Washington probably has the upper hand here. Uh, so I'm going to give that one to them. I'm probably going to go Atlanta over London, and uh, easy call on this last one, Florida over Boston. Um, yeah, yeah, I echo those as well. Uh, Washington has looked stronger even losing to New York, but they still look still look like they're putting up a good fight against New York, whereas Toronto has definitely looked to be in a slump recently. Um, maybe they can turn it around, but Toronto, as well as a team that relied a lot on the Sombra the entire time so far, maybe more than most teams, um, save for the Houston Outlaws. So I think Sombra being out of the pool is, is a bigger hit to them than it is to Washington, um, with Stratus being quite flexible. And I, I don't think Sombra's his best here. I don't think he's bad at it either, but I, I don't feel like Washington is a team where I, I identify them as wanting to play Sombra the way I feel about Toronto. Um, yeah, then I, I think Atlanta will take it over London. Um, although I think, yeah, like that game going to be super close. But then, yeah, Florida over Boston, a little bit, a little bit more confident in that one. Boston's just looked pretty lost. Maybe they'll find their footing, but strategically, I, I just, I mean, my cast in their their last match, I just was kind of kind of ragging on them. But I just felt like their sigma was not working at all. Hawk is just flying over the map and just eating them alive one by one on the diva, like. That is what you do on D.Va when the enemy team does not have a D.Va. There's nobody who can chase you down. You're the most mobile character in the game. So anytime one of your DPS lands a headshot and calls out X player low, you're just in. Frag. Out. And, like, how do you stop that? I mean, he's pumped full of heals. 
when they were playing Fair Mercy against him and Hawks just like flying up into their face over and over and over again. <laughs> Colorhex has put like three total rockets into the enemy backline in like a minute because Hawk gives him one rocket and then Hawk is back in his face. Back with a, he gets an armor pack, he gets spam healed by Ana, like he gets nano and he kills the far like you know it's just just gross. So I, I just felt like Boston really messed up strategically to like play that way. And I, I want and, and they're like Paris, like they kept playing this thing that's not working. They kept playing the Sigma strat. And I'm like, wow, I feel like you're getting destroyed in your back line over and over again. But so we'll see. Maybe they can be more adaptable next week. I'm not that hopeful. I feel like they're just locked into this mindset of like, we'll play what we practiced. All right. Well, in the, on that note, what I'd actually ask uh, you, our viewers and listeners, is that if you could sit in on a coaching session for the Boston Uprising, what would you do to fix what they have? What would you suggest to them? Let us know on social media, both on YouTube or at Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter. We'll take some of the best answers and read them off next week if you guys uh, can actually show up and give us some good ones. But that's going to be it for us here tonight, guys. Uh, as always, thank you for joining us here on the Owl's Nest. You can find us over at uh, the Checkpoint XP YouTube if you happen to be listening, or if you'd like something a bit more mobile to take with you on the go, uh, head on over to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts, and look up the Owl's Nest. Jake, thank you, as always, for joining me today. Thank you. Happy to be here. It was a good good episode. It was fun, fun talking with you. That's right, guys. We'll see you next week, and remember to always stay on that payload.